Welcome to the Weight Loss and Women Professionals podcast. I'm your host, certified life and weight loss coach and physician, Dr. Amruti Chowdhury, MBBS. I lost over 92 pounds using the mind management tools I teach. In this podcast, you will learn how to lose weight for the last time by taking control of your mind. Once you deal with the mental weight, the physical weight will be much easier to release. If you're ready for a fresh new perspective on weight loss, you're in the right place. Hello, lovely ladies, and welcome to the podcast. Today is a very, very special day. It is us celebrating two years of podcasting. Oh my goodness, so, so proud of this accomplishment. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank all of you from the bottom of my heart for listening to me, to trusting me and to implementing what I teach on this podcast. This is literally my life's work and what I was put on this earth to do to help all of you really manage your mind, feel your emotions and actually live the life that you want to live and feel better along the way. And I can honestly say I am really proud of every single podcast. And this one is going to be an extra, extra special and vulnerable one today. So as you know, I have created a new course. The new course is how to get on with your mother-in-law without her changing. And the reason why I put together this course is because I coach on this topic in my group coaching programs at least once a day. And as you may or may not know, this is something that I've been working on with my relationship with my mother-in-law for the last 11 years. And I'm South Asian, so I'm Indian, and I live in the UK, and so does my mother-in-law. And it was a challenge for me initially. And for the first few years of my marriage, it was actually probably one of my biggest stresses. And so what I wanted to talk about today is the story about my relationship with my mother-in-law and how coaching actually helped that. And then I'm going to be inviting you onto a webinar on how to get on with your mother-in-law without her changing on the 19th of June at 1 p.m. BST, 8 a.m. EST. I'll leave the link in the show notes for you to sign up. And it's basically going to be running through how you can start getting on with your mother-in-law without her changing as well. So this is definitely a webinar that you want to attend. It will have so many juicy nuggets for you so that you can actually start working on the relationship that is draining so much of your energy. And I know that I am a weight loss coach at heart, but I am a life coach first and first, first and foremost. And what that means is I deal with any area of your life that you would like to improve. And in my weight loss group coaching program, so many people struggle with their relationships with their mother-in-law. And so I wanted to create this course for you so that even if you want to lose weight, even if you don't want to lose weight, this is something that you can 
get help for because so, so, so many ladies suffer in silence and it impacts not only them, not only their partners, not only their children, not only their mother-in-laws, not only the wider family, but the community in general. And so my aim is to really help with that. It doesn't have to be the taboo and the assumption that mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws don't get on. We are changing that with this course. So make sure if this is something that you would like some help on, that you come to the webinar on the 19th of June at 1 p.m. BST and you can sign up using the link in the show notes. Okay, my friends, let's get started on this week's podcast. So the reason why I am telling you this story on the two-year anniversary of the podcast is because it is a really meaningful story and a really vulnerable story. As a as an Indian woman, I was always taught that you need to get on with your mother-in-law. And my mum used to tell me growing up that it's okay, you need to put your mother-in-law even before me because she is now your new mum. And I didn't quite get that when I was like when I was dating Rick, you know, I thought, no, mum, you're my mum. Like, how can I have another mum? But all throughout my life, watching Bollywood movies, you know, um, being in the Indian culture, I saw the importance that mother-in-laws had in daughter-in-law's lives. And I used to think that, oh, well, you never get on because, you know, you watch it in the films that they never get on. You watch it like, like it's always the taboo and people are always like complaining about their mother-in-laws that I just thought that that was the norm. And I didn't realize that this was like something that would come up for me because I got on with everyone. Like there wasn't, you know, even growing up and everything, there wasn't really anyone that I had any issues with. I was always likable. I was always the jolly one. I was always someone that loved on people, that made people feel very welcome and connected. And that was my superpower. So I'd never like encountered any issues with anyone before. And whilst we were dating, I used to get on with my mother-in-law and we used to kind of do fun things together and things like that. So then when Rick and I got engaged, that's when some of the issues started building up. I think it was probably from my my end, it was starting to get a bit formal and you know, there were like expectations and stuff like that. and no one was right and no one was wrong. It was just different, right? But at the time, I didn't realize that. At the time, I was thinking, oh my gosh, look, I'm expected to do all of these things and I don't want to. And I've always been quite like rebellious, you know? (laughs) It's kind of like, if I don't think that this is the way I should be doing it, then I'm not going to do it that way. And I realized that when you are getting married, it's going to be kind of a a mix of cultures and I'm from the Gujarati culture so um, it's different from where Rick's family's from. Rick's family are from Haryana which is a few which is kind of near Delhi and the culture is different there and so initially when we were getting engaged I guess we weren't exposed to the different cultures and things were different and so it was bringing up a lot of anxiety between both sides of the family and then this kind of carried on up until the wedding time as well. 
Now, don't get me wrong, it wasn't just like stress and stuff. It was a lot of love and a lot of um, affection and a lot of fun times as well. But for me, Rick and I always used to talk about, we're gonna live together with my in-laws and this is something that he really wanted, that I really wanted. I was always a family girl. And this is what we had decided because in the Indian culture, this is what was done, right? The oldest son lives with the family and my in-laws had so kindly like decorated our room up and, you know, had it ready for us. And so after the wedding, we got married in India. It was amazing. After we got back, that's when we were, I was now living in Rick's house and it was during my A&E rotations. So I had plenty of night shifts, I had plenty of random hours, and it was a really, really tough year, to be honest. Um, Looking back, I can see that it was, that neither were right and neither were wrong. But I used to have I didn't, I didn't have the insight that I do now, but I used to think that, oh, I'm doing something and it's never enough. So the high achiever in me would want to do more and more and more because so much of my life when I wasn't able to achieve something, I would just work harder. And so I thought that this was the same in this relationship as well. So I just thought I had to work harder. So when it came to like keeping things tidy and stuff, I would try my best, but I constantly kept thinking, oh, look, it's not good enough for my mother-in-law. Oh, it's not good enough. And there was a clash there. She's a very tidy person. I'm much more of a messy person. And I guess I didn't realize that I had ADHD then, but now I know. And it's actually really um, a big relief for me now to know that some of the problems that I had weren't to do with me being like wrong. It was to do with the way my brain functions. And that's not something that I can always control. Now I've put lots of things in place now to help with that, but there's just a part of me that now just accepts that yes, I am messy compared to other people and that's okay. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. So I, went back to the time where I was coming back from night shifts and I was trying to like do the the cleaning or the cooking and I was trying to be involved right because that's what Indian daughter-in-law did and often it was like my mother-in-law had her own expectations when uh, daughter-in-law was coming into the house and some of them were you know she's going to take some of the the responsibilities off my hands that's what daughter-in-laws do you know um she we're going to do things together that's what mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws do we she's going to take over the responsibilities for some of the things that i do for rick and that's what daughter-in-laws do when they get married that's what they do for their husbands and the husbands do do for them as well and so when i came into the house and it didn't meet those expectations there were clashes because I often couldn't spend that much time with her because I was working horrendous hours. And I often couldn't, you know, um, take things off her plate because I would do something, but because it wasn't the way she had like done it previously, then 
she may have to do it again or um, I would have to do it again. And so there was resentment building up on both sides and it would blow up some days and we would have arguments and it would be a really stressful period for both of us and for Rick and the family and everyone. And it was just heartbreaking really because we wanted to really, really, really get on with the family. And I would constantly feel annoyed and dread coming home. And I would constantly be thinking, oh gosh, I am going to have to go back home now. Something's going to like build up again. We're going to have arguments. I can't be like dealing with this stress. And so I would open up to, you know, my friends just to get some help and everything. And I didn't know what else to do really. And this went on for about a year. Now, it wasn't only stress. It was, there were some really nice times as well. We had some lovely dinners. We had some lovely, um, you know, family time. We used to sit and chill together, you know, things like that as well. So it wasn't just stress. But when I look back and, you know, when people ask me, what was the hardest time of your life? I always still say it was the first year of my marriage. And that used to break Rick's heart every time because he used to be like, oh, well, that's meant to be the most fun time of of your life. You know, you've just gotten married. You're in a new family. Oh, my gosh. Like, I can't believe that this is the most stressful time of your life. And uh, I like uh, he just used to feel so saddened by that. And only now do I know why I had to go through that because now what we have created on the other side of that 11 years on is something completely 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 different so we were we got to this stage on the first year of our marriage where it was getting really intense and so we decided that we're going to need to move out of the house which was quite hard because we I guess we had all wanted to live together and it just didn't work out at that time I mean, I think if we were now, at, if I was there now, I think we probably could live together because we got on so much better. And um, yeah, I think we get each other a bit more. But at that time we couldn't. And it was the best thing that ever happened because Rick and I, we bought a house. We moved out of the family home. We learned how to stand up on our own two feet how to do things for ourselves. And I think that was really important for Rick because he hadn't lived out for uni and he hadn't done things like that before. So that was quite hard. It was quite hard for him because of course he had always imagined being with his parents. And it was hard for me because I felt I was like having some guilt that he had to move out from his family home because of me. And my mother-in-law was missing missing her son. And all in all, it was quite a tough time. But it was necessary, it needed to happen and it happened the way it happened. And it was perfect because that's how we were able to learn what we know now, right? So kind of fast forwarding a few years. So over the next few years, things were, I would say still quite turbulent. So I was still holding on to so much like, I had always been a people pleaser. I had been trying to please her. I think I was trying to please her a little bit more afterwards as well because I had some guilt of leaving the family home. Maybe I was blaming myself a little bit about that. In the Indian culture, it's very much that 
the daughter-in-laws should be obedient and stick to, you know, and listen to their um, their mother-in-laws and things like that. Now, of course, it's not always like this anymore. Like things have changed and everything, but I'm talking about traditionally. Um, and I think I had a bit of that traditional mindset as well, where I was like, maybe feeling a bit of guilt that I was talking back and I was, you know, speaking up. And I mean, I know that that's just me and I can't do anything about that. But I think there was a part of me that was annoyed at myself for not being more tactful <laughs> and maybe more resilient, possibly. But um, yeah, we went through the next few years and things were better that we were living apart. But I would still get this sense of dread every time we had to meet up I would really really worry about it I would be like oh my gosh it's gonna blow up again and you know things are gonna happen and oh my gosh like I just I just don't want to deal with it so I would do things like you know avoid her calls I wouldn't really want to go when we were meeting up I wouldn't show up as my true self I would use food to make it better so when I was there I would overeat or I would overeat in advance to prepare myself, or after I had um, had the meeting with with them, then I would tend to eat to numb out some of those emotions. I was arguing more with Rick, and Rick was kind of on eggshells because he was like, I, I just want my mum and, and um to get on, basically. They're the two most important women in my life, I just want them to get on. And I think I had that in the back of my head as well, that he just wants us to get on, you know, like what else would he want? He just wants his his mum and his, his uh, wife to get on, right? Two most important women is in his life. And so, so many things happened. Um, but then when Vivan was born, which was my first son, that's when things started happening again, where I think I was probably quite emotional, and hormonal and so I was a little bit snappier probably and saying things and you know maybe a bit more territorial even of my kid um, and kind of being a bit of like no mother knows best I will do it my way and of course my mother-in-law was making suggestions to do it another way and she wasn't saying her way is right or anything but at the time because I had so much of this baggage from so many years I would constantly make assumptions about oh she wants me to do it her way she thinks her way is right Um, who does she think she is telling me what to do does she not think I'm good enough does she not think I'm a good mum and all of this and this carried on even after Vera was born and um, then in 2020 I started coaching for weight loss and as you know I hired a life coach for weight loss and as a life coach we deal with anything in our life that impacts our weight and I started getting a lot of coaching on my mother-in-law and I did not know that weight loss coaching or life coaching for weight loss would improve my relationship with my mother-in-law but it did my friends it did so if you are in the same boat or a similar boat no matter how long it's been you can still drastically drastically improve your relationship with your mother-in-law without her changing I was the only one getting coached I was the only one changing my thoughts feeling my emotions taking different actions creating different results she didn't even know about coaching at all but she started seeing a change in me. And even before she started seeing a change in me, I started noticing a change in me. When I was getting coached on 
weight loss, say I would overeat. So the coach would ask me, okay, so tell me the reasons you were overeating. And the reasons were, oh, I was feeling really overwhelmed after after meeting my mother-in-law or speaking to my mother-in-law. And so I just wanted to eat some biscuits or eat some popcorn in front of the TV to just relax. And so that's when we were getting to that root cause. So the problem isn't the biscuits or the popcorn. It was actually that I was feeling really overwhelmed when I was um, talking about my mother-in-law. And why was that? Was it because my mother-in-law just caused overwhelm in me? No. That's what I thought at the time. I was like, oh, she just stresses me out. (laughs) I just thought that was a fact. But actually, that was my thought that she just stresses me out. No, that's not true. She doesn't just stress me out. I choose to feel stressed when, when she's around. And you may be thinking, what do you mean you choose to feel stressed? Who would choose to feel stressed? But what I'm trying to say is when she said certain things, I would interpret that as she's just stressing me out. She could be saying something that is completely valid and just trying to show some care to my family. But I would just um, like assume because the brain's got a negative cognitive bias. And if I'm constantly thinking, you know, she's stressing me out, she's always out to get me. She doesn't believe that I'm a member of the family, that she doesn't love me or doesn't care about me. When I'm thinking about these kinds of things, then these are my subconscious thoughts, right? And so anything she does, my brain wants to prove my thoughts true. So anything she does, even if she's just saying, hey, have you thought about this, this and this for the kids? I would interpret that as she thinks that she doesn't think I'm a good enough mum because she's telling me about these things. She doesn't think that I'm capable enough to do this by myself and all of this. So my brain would create so many stories about her saying whatever, whatever thing, right? It could be completely, completely innocent. And I would, my brain would just like turn it into something else. And so when I got coached, I was able to see how much story my brain was making up about very like neutral facts. And that's when I was able to realize that so many of the stories that my brain was making up were in my power. Well, all of the stories were in my power. And so if I was choosing to think she doesn't love me or she doesn't think I'm a good enough mum, that was just a choice that I was making. And it didn't feel like a choice because who would want to think that? But because our brain is so powerful, we get to, and because we're humans, we have a choice about what we're thinking. And so I started realizing that I have control over my thoughts. And so if I tweaked how, you know, like if when my coach was questioning me, like, is it actually true that when she said, have you thought about X, Y, and Z for Vivan, does that mean that she, she thinks you're a bad mother? What else could be true? That's one of my favorite questions in coaching. What else could be true? And so that's when I was like starting to explore. Oh, it could be that, you know, she just cares about Vivan and just wants to make sure that things have been sorted for him. It may just be that she's concerned about him and she loves him. It may be that she's trying to help me because she knows that sometimes I forget things, you know? So when I was able to choose different thoughts, I was able to feel so much better. Because remember, it's your thoughts that create your feelings, that 
when you're feeling a certain way, you take certain actions. And when you're taking those actions, you create your results. And your results always prove your thoughts true. So when I was choosing to think, she's just looking out for me. I felt calm. And when I felt calm, the actions that I took towards her were completely different to when I was feeling annoyed. So when I was feeling calm, I would maybe even listen to her. What? (laughs) Yeah, I'd maybe even listen to her. I would be open to what she had to say. I would not get defensive. I wouldn't want to avoid her. I wouldn't need to overeat before or after. Um, And I would, you know, advocate for myself and what I thought, but not from a defensive place, but from a very clear and calm place, right? And then, The result that I created for myself was that I was looking out for me. So when I thought, oh, she's just looking out for me, I learned how to start looking out for me. And actually this really, really improved our relationship because she could see, oh, I'm not like as like argumentative and defensive and, you know, like kind of like having an argument on everything. And I was able to really feel my emotions in the moment. She didn't stop saying the things that she would say. And she's not, she didn't change one bit. But what changed was my interpretation of what she was saying, doing and everything. And so what started happening was I was able to, instead of being in my own head and being worried about what's happened in the past or what's going to happen in the future, I was able to be really present when I was there with her. I was able to actually start like enjoying it. And I was like, wait, what's going on here? I'm not actually dreading the phone calls as much. I'm actually responding back to them. Or if I wasn't able to respond back, I would just be honest about it and say, Ma, you know, I'm I'm sorry I haven't called you back. You know what I'm like with phone calls, I, I often forget. So I was starting to own my flaws instead of like when she said something to me that, oh, she's thinking that there was something wrong with me. No, no, I was starting to own these things myself. So when she said them, it didn't like, make me feel anything. It was like, yeah, you're right. So I was being way more open to that. And that was only coming from me, like doing my own self-coaching and looking at, okay, how could she be interpreting the situation? What could be going on in her head? Um, Why do I think she reacted like that? And so many of you may be thinking, okay, when we're just changing our thinking, what happens when they are actually being inappropriate? And when they're actually doing things or saying things that should not be accepted. And when I say like, it's up to you how you think about it, that doesn't mean that it's always right. Sometimes what people say or what people do are completely and utterly wrong. And so I don't, I don't mean that you should just change your thoughts and then feel better. Like, no, 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 no. But the only reason why I want you to uh, think in a way that helps you is so that you feel better and so that you're not constantly in resentment and anger and feeling helpless and things like that. Because people can say things that are completely wrong and you still don't have to feel feel bad about it. So for example, one of my clients, she said that her mother-in-law has said to her that when you do this, you're not being a good mum. And I like my my client was absolutely furious about this and didn't think that that this was right. Like she was like, how dare she tell me 
I'm not a good mom, this is inappropriate, she should not be saying that to anyone, all of this, yeah? And I said, okay, you can, you can choose to think that she's completely wrong, or you could choose to have like this dialogue, this constant, like she's so wrong, she shouldn't be doing this, this is this, is there's something wrong with her, how dare she? And then that just kept building up her anger again and again and again and again and again. Or she could just think, you know what? She's wrong about me. I know that I'm an amazing mum. Which made her feel loving towards herself. Which made her then take the action of in one ear, out the other of what mother-in-law said. And then she was way more loving towards herself. And she was telling herself that she was a good mum. So she didn't need that validation or approval from her mother-in-law. She said she basically was saying to her mother-in-law, you know, you're welcome to be wrong about me. You know, you're wrong, it's fine. Not even saying it to her face, but even like thinking it, being like, you know what, she's wrong about that. I'm an actually a really, really good mum. So even when people say things that you don't agree with, the only reason you wanna change your, just tweak your thinking a little bit about it is for you so that you feel better. And when I was able to do this work with regards to my mother-in-law, I was doing it for my weight loss, right? And you know, I mention it on the podcast often, that when you are able to manage your mind, when you are able to tweak how you think about things, when you are able to feel those emotions instead of avoid them, instead of distract yourself, instead of push them away, instead of numbing them out, instead of reacting to them, when you can feel those emotions in your body, when you can then take slightly different actions because you're feeling better, you completely and utterly change your results, even without the other person changing at all. This is why when you go for, when one person goes for counseling, a relationship like a marriage can completely improve because you only need one person in a relationship to change for that relationship to completely transform because your relationship with someone else are merely your thoughts about them. I'm gonna say that again. Your relationship with someone else is merely your thoughts about them. So you can choose to think that you've got a really good relationship with someone and they may choose to think that your relationship and their relationship is absolutely awful, right? But when you think that, oh, hold on, my relationship with them is is awesome, you're gonna be showing up in a way that feels really awesome to you. And you're gonna be showing up way more authentic. Whereas if they're gonna be thinking, oh, you know, our relationship isn't good and feeling annoyed, then they're not probably gonna be showing up as their best selves and that's on them, right? You can't change that. So what I want you to think about is if this resonates with you, what would it be like if you could change your relationship with your mother-in-law? What would it be like if you didn't have to dread every encounter? If you didn't have to tiptoe and act as if you're you know, walking on eggshells? If you didn't dread those family holidays or those restaurants or going to their house or you know, family weddings? If you didn't dread the phone call? 
if you could actually just chat, just you and her, even without your partner getting involved? What would it be like? This is completely and utterly possible for you. I know for me, that's what happened. So I started noticing that I wasn't feeling as angry towards her. I was able to tweak my thinking. I was able to look at things possibly from her point of view. I was able to deal with the things that I felt defensive about. And whenever she said things and I felt defensive, I would look for the truth in what she was saying and be like, okay, something about that really like irked me. Is there any truth in what she's saying? And if there was, what do I want to do about that? So if she would talk about, you know, my house being messy, I would get get annoyed. But the reason I was getting annoyed or defensive is because I saw some truth in what she was saying. So instead of like getting angry at her for saying that, I could be like, okay, she said something. I noticed that I got annoyed or defensive. What's going on for me? What's going on in, inside my brain? And what, when I was able to work on that, I was able to realize that I didn't always want my house to be messy. I did want a clean, clean house. I did like a clean house, but sometimes that wasn't on the top of my priority. And so that's why my kids were my priority, my husband, my job. And so sometimes the cleaning didn't, wasn't, you know, wasn't top priority and that was okay. So when I was able to be clear about this, things would change, right? I wouldn't think of it as she's, like coming out to get me with what she said, I would think of it as, ah, I noticed that I had a strong emotional reaction to that. Let me, let me focus on me. I can't change her anyway. I can never change her. I've tried for the last 11 years. I can't do that. (laughs) And if I, if I could, you know, change people, I'd be a millionaire, billionaire by now, right? No, you cannot change people. The only person you can change is yourself. So, If I was noticing, hey, I'm getting quite annoyed at this, what's going on for me? What do I wanna do about that to help myself? And that's when I was able to have a a conversation with Rick and say, hey, this is what's going on for me. And we were able to kind of like come up with some sort of rotor and like clear um, guidance on who's doing what. And, you know, we started talking to each other more about, look, when we're struggling, this is what we could do. And we started problem solving, but only when we were able to look at what the problem was. If you are like blaming and getting defensive about the problem, then you're never problem solving for it from a very clear mind space. So that's the reason why coaching really helps because it allows you to feel all of those emotions, the anger, the resentment, the hopelessness, the sadness, the shame, the guilt, the frustration, like all of that that you're feeling, it's completely valid and it's completely real and also you don't have to feel like that anymore. When we can tweak your thinking slightly, when we can give you the opportunity to just think of a different point of view, it doesn't have to mean that the other person is being let off the hook or that you're having to do all the work or anything, nothing like that. The only reason you are doing this work is so that you can feel better. Nothing to do with your mother-in-law. Whatever bonuses she gets is a bonus. You're doing this so you can feel better so that you don't have to constantly dread and worry about this for the rest of your life. Like honestly, this has 
taken off. Like if you think about a really, really, really heavy backpack that is constantly weighing you down, constantly weighing you down, constantly weighing you down. It's filled with bricks and rocks and concrete and sand. And then you learn how to take that backpack off. And you can just leave it on the side and you don't actually have to ever carry it ever again. That's what it's like when you can learn thought work, when you can learn the emotions work, when you can learn how to feel your emotions, how to really stabilize your nervous system, how to reparent that inner child, how to tweak just just slightly how you're thinking, how to actually pay attention to what was like the role of that emotion, that anger. I I was feeling this intense anger. I wonder why. What was that anger there to show me? And actually look for that for you. You get to know yourself so much better. You get to understand yourself so much better. And when you can understand yourself, it's, and when you can start loving yourself, that's when you can start accepting love from others. So my friends, if this is something that you resonate with, I have a big, big, big treat for you. I have a webinar that I'm doing on the 19th of June, which is how to get on with your mother-in-law without her changing. You are welcome to come, to learn, and to really start working on getting on with your mother-in-law without her changing at all. So if you go to the link in the show notes, you will be able to sign up. It's on Wednesday the 19th at 1 p.m. BST, which is 8 a.m. EST. I look forward to seeing you there. And straight after that, enrollment for the course, How to Get On With Your Mother-in-Law Without Her Changing, will be open. So enrollment will be open between the 19th and the 30th of June. So I would love to welcome you all onto that course if you feel that this is something that you would like to achieve. Okay, my friends, I will see you next week. Happy two years to the podcast. And I hope you really enjoyed this open, honest conversation about my relationship with my mother-in-law. And I'm so happy to say she's actually one of the the closest people in my life now. And um, I can have a laugh with her. I can be honest with her. I can, you know, I, I don't dread her phone calls anymore. And being very open and honest, right? Sometimes some of that other stuff does come up, you know, and I feel angry and resentful and all of that. But I feel like that with my own self. I feel like that with Rick. I sometimes feel like that with my own mum, right? So I can't expect to have like a perfect relationship all the time because I don't even have that with my own self or my own kids. But that doesn't mean I don't love them. I love them intensely. I love them so much. So the same thing with my mother-in-law. When I notice that I'm feeling some of these things, of course I am sometimes. It just means that this is normal and that it's not going to be perfect, but it's so, 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 so much better. Okay, my friends, I will see you next week. See you on the webinar if you would love to join. Okay, my friends, bye. For more free resources and for information on how to work with me, visit www.amruticoaching.com.